Welcome back to Bible study. We are embarking on a new book in the Bible. Uh, John and I were trying to cast our minds back to when, when we last did a, a Philippians, but I think probably about 15 years ago. John, maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> Can you remember that far back? I can't. It's great to have Derek because we're going to have a completely different take on, <laughs> on Philippians and of course with, with some of the, the, the historic and geographic and archaeological overview. Uh, okay, uh, Paul's letter to, not to the Philippines, to the Philippians oh. and John's going to read. I'm going to read chapter one and I'm going to read the first 26 verses if you want to follow along. Paul and Timothy bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this day I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And in most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defence of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretence or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labour, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Thank you. I'm going to open in prayer. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for the 
the example of the Apostle Paul, how he loved you and how he was so committed to preach the gospel. Lord, we just pray that you give us, even as we study Philippians, Lord, the, the same spirit as Paul, the same heart, the same love and devotion for you and for your people. Lord, thank you for changing us even as we look into your word, that we would be changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, when, when I read uh, Philippians, I, I, it's, there's so many choruses echoing in my mind. It seems <laughs> yeah. as though, you know, we, the, the, chor, the charismatic chorus writers have, have really sort of mined you know, Paul's letters. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't imagine many choruses coming out of Jonah and Nahum. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's from, from, uh, that helps with memory as well, because you, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, you know, and you, all of these songs uh, wonderfully, you know, sort of resonate with, with, throughout uh, Philippians. But, you know, Paul, it's in a context in the context. I, I, I like to just delve into the, the verses, but I think it's really good to have um, Derek and John here to talk, talk about, you know, where we are uh, in terms of the setting mm. of Paul, the man, you know, Paul, you know, and it's where in his ministry, what is happening in the Roman world at the time. All these, all these questions are worth sort of digging into. We might not do it all in this first, mm. um, first hour, but let's, let's start. Mr. Derek Walker, well, where, what, where would you start if you, if you were trying to set the scene for Paul's letter? Yeah, to, to the Philippians is one of what's known as the four, four prison epistles. Uh, and uh, actually, Paul was in prison twice in Rome, and this would be the first imprisonment, uh, both under the Emperor Nero. But um, I think we would date this, and I think most would agree that this is around AD 60 to 62. And so the setting is actually right at the end of the book of Acts. In fact, the, the, the book of Acts ends with Paul having just done his voyage. And we probably want to backtrack a little bit in Acts just to set the scene. But he's done this voyage to Rome. Mm. Uh, uh, and now he's under, in prison in Rome. He's not really under house arrest in Rome, as we will we'll see in Acts 28. And he is about two years waiting to be tried by Nero. Uh, actually, he does, um, is, he's found innocent in this trial, yeah. and he has a few more years of ministry. And then, that wouldn't satisfy Paul to be found innocent, you know, you'd want to um, well, as you know, we'll make the most of the platform, as it were. Yeah, well, and we'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. we'll see that he uses this, he sees it really as God's will, mm. that this is a chance for him to uh, preach the gospel. So really the setting is the end, end of the book of Acts. Uh, then later, to Timothy, he's arrested again, and this time, yeah, uh, he's martyred. Yeah. He's, that's he's, gain. He becomes. He's because for yeah. me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, it's, it's not. Most people wouldn't be thinking this way, would they? If they, if they uh, were were facing trial with, um, you know, the ultimate sort of dictator of the time, they they would try and avoid it rather than sort of <laughs> march to the, you know, the sound of the executioners. I think that's where it's amazing. I mean, fear of death is, is a perfectly 
normal thing in human beings, and with Christians it should be less fearful. And I think most of us are not so much frightened of dying, but it's the, the method of our death. Yeah. But Paul wasn't in the least bit concerned about the method of his yeah. death. Yeah. And that's, so he already had a vision yes. beyond, way beyond. beyond the grave. Yes. He had a pot, one, you know, in Philippians 4, he talks about, you know, focusing on those things which are good and true and so on. Yes. So even in very bad circumstances, that didn't stop. In fact, his joy resonates throughout the epistle yeah. because he is not focused on his circumstances. He's focused on the Lord mm -hmm. and what the Lord can still do through him even in these circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so he has a source of joy that, that transcends the circumstances. Yeah. And uh, he, he inspires the other Romans in this because yeah. uh, they were probably finding excuses not to witness because, yeah. you know, things aren't quite right, right now. We're, let's lie low and then we'll witness when things are better. And here's Paul <laughs> showing them how it's done. Talking you know. of witnessing, I, I find, you know, here in Philippians and Romans and others, it's very powerful in this context that Paul says, for God is my witness. And we roll over that twice. Yes. First, say, I know we haven't, we haven't done verse one yet, but he, he says, you know, God is my witness. You know, we, he's going for a trial. You know, and people can roll that off. Oh God! But for Paul, you know, he, I, for me, there's an authenticity in his writings. Mm. It's not hyperbole. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, melodramatic. He, he, God is his witness because he is being truthful to himself and truthful yeah. to God. He's keeping, he and he uses this word later on about yeah. being transparent. Yeah. He's transparent. He keeps his heart open to God. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps a clear conscience. Yeah and is ready to be judged by God. So should we have a, uh, have a go at reading at the end of Acts? At the end of Acts, um, yes. Should we do yeah. that? Where should we, we go? Well, read it so well, John. If we can just uh, set, oh, the yeah, scene, please, set the scene and then, then read. Okay, because um, it'll take John ages to of, find it. I think you'll want to read from Acts 28 probably course, eventually, but just to set the scene a little bit, it kind of starts at the end, in Acts 24, we could say, because at the end of Paul's third missionary journey, he goes to Jerusalem. But because he's been preaching the gospel so successfully, so some Jews who are totally against him, obviously, stir up a riot against him. And they accuse him of being a troublemaker. And the riot's so bad that, in fact, the Romans, uh, who are guarding the temple at the Fort Antonia, have to come down and, and actually take Paul into their custody just to save his life. And, uh, and then he stands before the Sanhedrin and immediately he makes the gospel the issue. He's saying, um, and he constantly says this again in all his trials, I am here, you know, I'm innocent of causing riots and all of that. That's totally not true. I am here for the hope of Israel. I'm here because of the Messiah mm. and my belief that, and my proclamation of the resurrection from the dead that that Jesus is the Messiah, he's risen from the dead. In other words, he was arrested for the gospel. Mm. And he doesn't see that as a negative thing. This is an opportunity yeah. for him to preach the gospel to power. Mm. And so then he's taken to Caesarea, mm. and where, which is where the governor, Felix, is, is in charge. And uh, he's going to be in prison in Caesarea for two years. And then after Felix knows he's innocent, but because of the pressure from the Jews paying for his blood, he doesn't let him go, mm. and, or at least he wants a bribe. Um, 
And then Festus takes over and he has to stand before Festus and the same thing, he's preaching, he's using it as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Caesarea, you can go to the very, That's right. the um, promontory palace on, yeah. the, on the sea, beautiful right. palace that Pilate would have been What's in left as well. Of it? Yeah. Yeah. Where they had a swimming pool going out into the Amazing. ocean and all the rest. And that's where Paul, we know where Paul would have stood before them. Yeah. And he was probably, you know, kept as a key prisoner within that palace. And that, that's where they have that inscription, or where they found that inscription to Pilate. But nearby. Pilatus. That's right. And it wasn't an ex exercise class. It was, it was Pilate of yeah. the Bible. And, yes. um, and they... And they validated that Pilate was a real For person. the first time. Yeah. Yes. In the archaeology. That's right. Um, the Romans had a bit of a problem, didn't they, John? They... they I, I was, you know, sometimes historians go the, the ifs of history. <laughs> you know, if they, if, you know, they, they, they didn't handle it well in terms of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> you know, if you're looking at it purely from a humanistic viewpoint. And, and basically, this power of God in the, the church, which was emerging out of nowhere, they just couldn't get a lid on it, could they? No, they couldn't. Uh, it's, it, it's amazing to see that happening, that the, the, the power of God just explodes yep. through these, through the peasantry, really. Mm. They, 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 when I, I don't mean that in any derogatory mm. sense, but through the uneducated, working-class men and women um, at this stage. Uh, and, and there's no TV ministry, no. there's no internet, it, it, there's no, hardly any books, there's just Paul's letters. Yes, it, it, absolutely. Mm. And, and they carried... And, you know, we say these things, but they really carried an anointing. Yeah. The anointing went with the letter, and, and the anointing was there, the Holy Spirit, as the letters were read. And, of course, copies of these letters would have been made and sent elsewhere. Um, so the, the word would have, would have gone around and, and transformative. In, in, and they had their problems in the early churches, you know, just like we have problems in the churches today. Uh, and Paul deals with those issues throughout his epistles. But the, the, the had, had, with the benefit of hindsight, the Roman um, Empire could have thwarted this one, couldn't they? Except so they couldn't. No, because of God's hand. Yes. But, I mean, I'm just thinking, if you're, if you're in the Roman Senate, you know, trying to preserve the, the glory and grandeur of Rome, you, you, there, there would have been a way. But the problem is they had their law of, of Roman, the rights of Roman citizens, yes. so Paul was exploiting that law as it were, I, I have a right to, to, yes. to be heard by Caesar. I mean, the, the Romans would be happy with religion, because there were many, but as long as it didn't threaten their yeah. imperial power. Yeah. And um, so their enemies, the enemies of the Christian movement, well, as in Paul's case, lied to, to make it look like someone like Paul was actually disrupting the, the Roman order. Yeah. And this is, Paul would deny that. He said, I, w I was not doing any such thing. The real issue is that they've, they stirred up the riot because I've been preaching the gospel. And I think it's important to understand that Paul was not just dealing, defending his own ministry, as it were. He was the representative of the church. Mm. And because he was a Roman citizen, that, that helped. That he was actually standing for the rights of all the Christians in the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. Because if Paul, for instance, would say, no, this, is, this cult is banned, mm. you know, that would have been a serious issue. So he was defending the, the gospel. He was defending the right 
for, for everyone it. to preach That's the gospel. It. So now you've triggered the next question, which is today. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't it just spring straight from that? You know, what we what see right do we have just to hide away yeah. and, not, and not, you know, we're, as it were, we're ambassadors, representatives, especially the leaders of the church, to be hiding away. Absolutely right. And those who are brave enough to stand up and preach the gospel get arrested. Get arrested. It, nothing has changed. Yeah, that's right. Um, except that's right. that the, the leadership has changed, yeah. so we don't have a poor. That's right. I'm not saying they're not leaders. I'm passionate for the yeah, gospel. Yeah, we have these people. We have, you know, it's obviously a much more complex picture now, but yeah. the, the, you know, you do see on YouTube or whatever, you see that black pastor being arrested. Yeah. Please don't take my Bible. And yes. you know, they took it. Yes. And then in Uxbridge, not long ago, there was another, so he looked like a good Baptist with, his, with a jacket like yours, and, and there he was being handcuffed yes. because he was up on a step up reading the Bible. Yes. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. So, uh, uh, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just, you know, looking back over history, I, I think uh, Gibbon in the, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire basically attributed to it to Christianity <laughs> that you know it basically was what I'm not saying I completely adhere to no. his, his viewpoint mm. but the in the later stages it's the it, Roman Empire a godless system could not survive mm. with so many Christians yes. involved with a different worldview yes so they a, didn't directly they were good citizens yeah but that's it. The, their very presence Meant, meant made it the wasn't difference. Gonna, it wasn't yeah. going to work. Yeah. Um, have we set enough? Is so, there more? No, yes, let's, yes, let's carry on. So, while, so Paul was in prison at Caesarea, and as I say, he kept bringing it back to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. If we are in prison, for instance, or person, we need that, that's not for us to shut up, but we need to make the gospel the subject of the conversation. That was the Paul's secret. It was all about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And uh, he defended himself before, as I say, Felix Agrippa for those two years. And meanwhile, I believe Luke was writing the Gospel of Luke. And, later, and then he went on and wrote Acts. Up to, Acts ends actually at this very time that we're looking at, mm -hmm. roughly, which is when Paul is about to stand trial after being two years in prison. And I think that Luke and Acts were documents for the court, you know, th to Theophilus yeah. to, you know, as evidence, this is what the Christian movement is. This, w this wasn't just about Paul and what happened in Jerusalem. This was about the gospel. Yeah. And the, the Luke and the Acts were the court documents, if you like, to, to validate wonderful this Christian movement. To say, look, we are not a threat to Rome, not a direct threat anyway. You know, we are, we are peace-loving. Yeah. We are promoting this truth that the Jewish hope the hope of Israel has been fulfilled yeah. in this man who's resurrected. So even through the trial, defending the gospel, they are preaching the gospel yeah. in Rome. Into not completed. So Luke's writings and the sort of court documents for the first trial? For the first trial. Yeah, and so that's why it ends in Acts 28, trial. you yeah, see. Okay. That, and then, then, yeah, then they win the first trial. Yeah. Paul's released. And, but then in AD 64... Rome gets burnt down, the Christians are blamed, yeah. and then the major persecution kicks in, and under that persecution, uh, both Paul and Peter are executed. Yeah. 
still under Nero, but by this time Nero is going a, a bit mad. Yeah. Um, so that so God used that time even in Caesarea for for Luke and and the Acts gave Luke time to do the research. Then of course Paul appeals to Caesar, which he has the right to do as a Roman citizen because under the pressure of the Jews, uh, Festus wants. Paul to stand trial in Jerusalem, and Paul knows the result of that. Yes. You know, <laughs> the Sanhedrin are going to have him executed. So he's, he appeals to Caesar. He's got no choice. But actually, he always wanted to go to Rome. He, he said in, in Romans, you know, I, I look forward to, to come to you. you. Yeah. And in the third missionary journey, that was his plan, to yeah. go to Rome. He didn't necessarily think it would happen this way, but okay. God provided yeah. the transportation to Rome, and Acts 27 is this journey to Rome. And that, so we've come now to Acts 28. Um, and this is where Paul comes to Rome, and uh, this sets the scene, really. Um, so where should we start? I would our suggest reading? that maybe when they, they land. By the way, we. Um, verse 14, I would say. Verse 14, okay, I was just okay. of 28, yeah? Yeah. Uh, of 28. 28, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Just to say, though, we, um, as folks will remember, we studied with Alan and Ian right up to chapter 20, the end of chapter 20. So it's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, we haven't devised no. that we would go back into Acts, but it's nice. And may maybe we we'll fill in some of the other chapters that we missed out at the end of, of Acts uh, in the coming weeks and months. But you're going to read now. Uh, from, from 14, just well, before 14. 14 then, to 24. 14 to 24. With. And the, the scene here is they've been on, they, they were in the shipwreck, remember, in Malta, and the yeah. fires are lit, and the viper bites him, and, yeah. and he's, so that's the background. So, and so it starts to, at the end of verse 14, and so we went on towards Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as up as far as the uh, Appi Forum and three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. And so when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, Though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you, to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. And so when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken and some disbelieved. Mm. So first of all, he's used this occasion to reach out to the whole Jewish community, mm. even though he's locked up under house arrest. Yeah. He actually is, is now got the, got the message to the whole Jewish community in Rome. Yeah. Just help me again on, on roughly the date of where we are here at the first trial. This would be AD 60. 
86. This is at the start. So just if we take a step back and think, well, AD 33-ish, yes. you know, was the crucifixion. Yes. Um, uh, that's quite a lot. Of, that's quite a long time afterwards, isn't it? It's sort of 27 years, years after yeah. that. And Paul's conversion was approximately. I would say 34. Yeah. Okay, so that is quite a a stretch of time, isn't it? In terms of having influence. Could I, I pin in one other now? It's uh, in, and I don't know a lot of the the Roman you know historians, but Suetonius describes uh, under Claudius. Uh, how all Jews were banished from Rome, Rome yes. because of a certain Crestos. Crestos. Okay, when was that? So that would Roughly. have been earlier because Cl the Claudius That's was before, point. in the 50s. Okay, so yeah, exactly. I'm just uh, I'm trying to catch you now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. so that makes and, and sense. And then Nero then allowed them back. Yeah, okay, okay. When he came exactly. to power. So, yeah. uh, and Nero came to power in 60, 58, you know, late 50s. Yeah, so it was sixteen. Okay, yeah, I'm just trying to roughly get sure. it because yeah, he no, that's fine. Um, uh, so it, it, it is interesting that um, they 15, mention 52, here about guess. basically, you know, there's there's a lot of they've got an issue, haven't they? The, the Roman Empire now has an issue with with the disputes that have been going on, <laughs> you know, over over the the Christians and I suppose Jewish Christians, non. Uh, non-Christian Jews, you know, that sort of thing. And it is, they're aware of it. There's somewhere in this passage where it mentions it, that, yeah, we've heard of things that yes. were going on. Yes, the, the, Jew, the Jewish uh, community had, yeah. was kind of, had heard of it and were, were thinking it's a negative thing. Yeah. But now Paul, Paul's fame, as it were, means he yeah. gets a chance to make the claims, and he actually wins some over. Although, as a whole, I think the Jews are still against. So, in Acts 28, he, he says, right, I'm going to go to the Gentiles because you, you Jews, as a whole, have rejected. But even so, he notice he's used, you might think, well, he's locked up in a room under house arrest, actually chained to a Roman soldier, and you'd have thought, well, what can he do? But actually, he's, he's already reached, after a few days, the whole Jewish community, uh, with the gospel, amazing, you know, or the, at least the leaders yeah. with the gospel, and then he's going to then focus on on the Roman, on the Gentiles. So, so God's purpose, John, in all of this was not only that for those of that time to hear the gospel, but to create a platform for Paul's writings, for God's word to be launched. Yes, you can Gentile see you can world. see that as how the plan has gone before Paul, and Paul by large is moving by the Holy Spirit with that plan. And, and when, when he gets to Rome, you know, the, the Lord has made it possible. That it's yeah. made it possible for him to have a platform, it made it possible for him to have enough freedom to call these leaders to him, it made it possible to, to preach the gospel. And yeah. those who were elected to hear would have heard it. Yeah. And those who weren't, didn't. And, uh, and it's just starting to, go, it's starting to go out now. And, and then you've got Luke's writing, so, yeah. you know, Ostensibly, yeah, they're, they're, one would surmise that it was they, for the trial, but here it is. The Gospel of Luke God, and, God brings it, and Acts. more scripture too. Yeah. And there's two verses, I don't know, John, if you could okay. read the verse 30 and 31, just to cap. 30 and 31, this is Acts uh, 28. 28, the last couple of verses. And then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him 
preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So his situation, and we see this in Philippians 1, is that he actually has to pay for his own rented accommodation. But he is an important prisoner. So he, and, th and this is quite important, he has a Roman soldier chained to him. So chained 24 hours a day with the chains on his wrist. a privilege for that Roman soldier. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, more than one Roman soldier. Yeah. Because, you see, he's chained to this Roman soldier 24-7. Mm -hmm. They would have done it in six-hour shifts. Yeah. So he's getting, and these, the Roman soldiers were the Praetorium Guard, which were wow, the elite. Were they? Where they were. Yeah, there was Tiberius stationed 10,000, you know, the Praetorium Guard. They're the creme de la creme. They yeah. got double pay and, you know, they were, the, they were essential to the empire, as it were, and to the emperor. Mm -hmm. And he actually had these soldiers guarding him. They took their shifts. So they are hearing the gospel continually from Paul. <laughs> day and stunning. night stunning. and he says we'll see it in Philippians that he's reached the whole the whole praetorium guard knows that he is in That's chains amazing. not because he's sinned That's amazing. committed a crime but for the gospel's sake no wonder the gospel got to Britain you know, through Roman soldiers and the <laughs> yes, like. No it's, it's amazing. And, and he, amazing. he reached the, the, the power, you know, yeah. he reached the Praetorium Guard. He reached the, um, in fact, he says at the end of Philippians, you know, all, all those in Caesar's household greet you. So they, they were lots of believers exactly. in the Praetorium Guard, in the, in, the, in the very palace of Caesar. It's a classic. He had reached that through just being in his room through these elite soldiers. And by the way, they would have read about Paul and Silas or they would have heard that some other poor guard, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know there was the earthquake and everyone was escaped. Yeah. So, so they probably thought, we better, you know, look after this chap. We don't want him to sort of turn against us. No. Um, it's, 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 it's strange, extraordinary, isn't it, isn't it when, it's, when it's laid out like that? Yeah. And, and, and what were they using? Presumably they were using Luke's gospel. Yeah, yeah, they, they the, the, Luke, the exactly. gospel would have been written. That's true. That's right. So they've got this because it's part of their their bundle, their submission yeah. to the court. And, and Mark's gospel, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, so the, another thing is, Paul was a tent maker, and he was he he must have had some resource to be able to pay the rent for two years. And um, or was it people giving to him? Because re reading Paul's writings, he. He was reluctant to take, he could, he, it was justifiable for him to take gifts, but he basically I think, basically it, I think it, was hard, it was hard for him. I yeah. mean, he had friends, obviously. And, and of course, this is a major thing in Philippians. He talks about the whole setting for Philippians that we'll get, get to mm -hmm. is this, um, this messenger, Epaphroditus, actually has brought a gift uh, to Paul mm -hmm. to help him in his affliction. So, you know, he, he was under yeah. duress, yeah. and uh, no doubt he was helped That's by right. his friends. But, but the Philippians came to the rescue. They, they heard that I Paul I don't know how I would sleep you know, with, with a shackle around no, my it, you know, ankle no. or arm. I, I don't think I'd sleep that well. But Paul I mean, was so... The pillow's slightly wrong for me. It <laughs> <laughs> <That> doesn't work. <laughs> but he was so able to focus on Christ and the gospel. That's all that mattered to yeah. him. So as he says, as long as, you know, I'm getting the gospel out, I'm happy. Yeah. You know, I'm rejoicing. So which is an amazing attitude. That take cheap you know. shots at Paul, yeah. you know, our friends, the sort of militant atheists, you know, <coughs> they, they couldn't hold a candle to him. 
mm. in terms of, and neither could we, <laughs> um, and all, in terms of his commitment right. and the, the authenticity of his writings, yeah. given the context, and also... Well, I was just saying, we're talking about the propagation of the word. In this prison, he wrote Ephesians, mm. Colossians, and Philemon. That's probably, you know, during those two years, AD 60 to 62, while he's awaiting trial. So he's getting those important, yeah. you know, he's had time to meditate yeah. on Christ and the yeah. church, and he's got those out. And then Philippians is probably the fourth of the prison epistles, okay. because the setting seems to be that he's very close to his trial, right. um, very close to that date. Because I think they were only allowed to have two years. Two years was the maximum yeah. to wait for a trial. And, and so... At the end of Ephesians, of course, he talks about the Roman soldier in the, for the spiritual armor of God. Yeah. And of course, he's, used, he's, he's staring this Roman soldier exactly. in the face, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Classic, isn't it? And just notice how we just, think... Uh, just wait there a bit longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, could you just tip? I just want to see your helmet. You, know? <laughs> yeah. just, you put your helmet on for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, well, that, yeah, end of and, Ephesians. And how it finishes in Ephesians, he says, pray, just to see his heart, verse 19, Ephesians six nineteen, pray for me, mm. not pray that I get released or so much or pray for my comfort it was pray that utterance may be given to me that i may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel mm. he knew it, he needed the holy spirit to give him that boldness yeah. for which i am an ambassador in chains yeah. you see that in it i may speak boldly as i ought to speak so he wasn't so bothered about the chains but he just needed to be sure that he was doing everything he can to preach the gospel that's what what mattered to him. Well, well, well. Yep, so he's another one we'll put on our list when we get to glory. We were talking the other day about <laughs> Nahum. You know, it'd be quite nice yeah. to sit at the feet of Paul for, yeah. for a while, and yes. Just, you know, I don't know. It, it'd be quite an awe-inspiring awe, awe encounter, I think. Yeah, to but you can't yeah, do any of that in your own strength. That's the, there'll be a long You could thing. do none of that in your own no, strength. No, you what you mean? No, absolutely. But he was so full of the Holy Spirit and he's absolutely, with the he's purposes totally of God. a hero. Yes. He's totally a hero. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so after all of that, he, he introduces himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, he didn't start by saying, I'm a bond of, uh, of Caesar or of Rome. Yes. He's a, it reminds me of, of Elijah <laughs> um, when he first encounters Ahab. God whom I serve with my whole heart. No, sorry, he said, before a God, uh, the God of Israel, before whom I stand. Yes. He's, he's, it, Ahab is irrelevant. <laughs> he's, you know, this it's king, a wonderful piece of scripture. It's just great. Sorry, I got, I got, I got <laughs> caught up with this, um, uh, with Paul. But yeah, the, this, this awareness of God's presence, as you say, he's serving God. He's yeah. serving the gospel and all, everything else, all these circumstantial things are incidental. And, and really, this tra it's, I'm being a bit controversial here, I don't know if you'll agree with me, yeah. but uh, this word, bondservant, is really doulos, mm -hmm. which is really that's the word for slave. Yeah. It's only because the translators were nervous of using the word slave often. Right. But this, this word is literally... You say, a, you meant, you're saying that the modern translators would have... Yeah, because yeah. of the stigma of slavery... Yeah. But nevertheless, the Bible says we are slaves of, of yes, God. We are slaves of Christ. It's, there's a difference between a servant and a slave. Yeah. You know, a servant ha, ha, you know, has the right, in a way, to, 
to, you know, control his life. You know, yes, he serves, but there are limits to that. But a slave is owned by the master. He's not his own. Yeah, exactly. He is owned by the master, and therefore that brings the submission on a deeper level. So, so this is a, let's just park on the fourth word, of, or rather than even the first verse. It, it, we, it's a great opportunity, the whole debate today about slavery, I think, yes. for us as Christians. We shouldn't shy away from the debate. It's a wonderful opportunity to talk about where we are in Christ. Yes, we but are. where we are in Christ, yes. But the, this word slavery does have a... It has a, a bad odour because it's understood in terms of the human experience but this is a slave in terms of total ownership and total submission but it's a completely different relationship of course I mean in human terms I mean some slaves and masters had wonderful relationships but generally they were pretty grim Uh, but this is (coughs) this is a whole new ball game and and both voluntary Yes, and it's not just Paul. Timothy, his, his son in Christ, is also a bondservant, also a slave of Christ. And, and it were within the culture, they, that, they would have understood exactly what that meant. Um, so, it, yeah, I'm not sure that it... I'm not sure how, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, how, how one introduces that in the way that you were suggesting. Yeah. I mean, slavery was what awful. Yes, it, it, is, it is awful, but there's something about, and I, I don't want to uh, have a s- sort of superficial, you know, gloss over the, yeah. the tragedy of, of history and the fact, the fact that evangelicals, I mean, I mean evangelicals before Wilberforce were yes. in on it. Yes, but, they were. You know, but also the, the great story of evangelicalism is how, you, is reform, yes. you know, in, in history, yeah. and, and we shouldn't hide that either and allow people to just paint paint us as sort of right wing you know sort of follows of um the ku klux klan or something mm-hmm. i mean that isn't the story of evangelicalism no um but yeah so so it is it is um uh, terrible but the christian message is 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 not what people think it is often that in terms of sacrifice um and, you know, Paul expresses it in his life. And this, even the idea of rewards, you know, that, that seem, again, very human. Do this and you'll get a sweetie. Yes. Do this and you'll get a reward. You know, in Ephesians, it's saying that we are here for Christ. You know, we are his inheritance. Rather than it's all going to come to me, yes. it's all going to go to him. Which is, you know, everything seems to be inverted from what, what the human perspective would be, a naturalistic perspective. Yes. I may be going too far I on a tangent, no, I don't think but, you I, are. but I, th- I want to explore it. But I, d- I don't think you are, because not only are they bond servants, but in the second verse, we hear that they are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Um, all the saints, which included, <laughs> includes all, all believers, they are in Christ. And this is a very common phrase. It, I think it appears 10 times in this letter. Mm. In Christ, which is a... It, it, so there's no need for a reward because in Christ is reward itself, yeah. um, and this this whole the, the you share in people shoot the scriptures down there because yeah. it does talk about slavery and, and and the older translations certainly talk about slavery yeah. and they point this out as being awful and they'll tell you that that, that uh, Jonathan Edwards owned slaves well he probably did and it's a different culture. Mm. 
completely you different. You share in his sufferings, you share yeah. in his glory. You know, only if you share in his sufferings will you share in his glory. You know, Paul writes that in Romans 8. There, there's yes. just something that is what well, is almost preparing them for the resilience that's needed under Nero. It's, it's almost, you know, this is the gospel that can, can equip Christians for any, anything that the world can throw at them. But it needs to be, doesn't it, the true gospel. Yeah. I mean, the true yeah. gospel is preached by Paul. Paul constantly talks right. about his gospel. That's how he refers yeah. to it. Yeah. And, and it came with power. Uh, and I'm not just talking about signs and wonders because this is, this is just sheer uh, unadulterated power of God. And they could see it. This man was fearless. Yeah. Um, he was prepared to speak to power. Mm. And this, that only came because of the anointing. And, and that seems to have withered <laughs> yeah. through, the, through the centuries. Yeah. It's withered. Yeah. We, we no longer see people who... Oh, th there are plenty of people who are willing to speak to power and speak truth to power, but unfortunately it's not those people in a position to do so. And it's whatever the message they're speaking. You've got Corinthians open, so you're... you're yeah, I did want to me. say one thing, because yeah. our, our image... Slavery, of course, was rife in the Roman Empire. Yeah. yeah. And, and in using the analogy, it's not necessarily justifying human slavery. Mm. But what, what might be wrong, mostly, you know, in, on a human level, doesn't mean it's wrong between us and God, mm -hmm. you know. And so God does use the slavery as an example mm. uh, of our relationship with God. And I, I see that the three primary analogies that are used is the fathers and the son, yeah. Christ and his bride, and the third one is that we are slaves of God. And that has a special connection with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit in us is the sign and the seal of God's ownership of us, of his possession of us. And, and Corinthians is, yeah. is a key verse yeah. on this because it, it says um, in Corinthians 6, one. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, that um, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit mm. who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Yes. See, the Holy Spirit in us is the sign that we are possessed by God. And one day he'll, he'll take full possession of us when he releases the Holy Spirit to transform our bodies mm. and resurrect us. Mm. But we are possessed by God. And for we were bought at a price. You see, redemption means we are not just redeemed by his blood, we're purchased by his blood. We actually belong to God, not just because of creation, but because of redemption. We're we belong to God, literally. That will change our whole approach of course. to the Christian life. If yes. we see, we, I do not belong to myself, yeah. I belong to God. Yeah. So he calls the shots. So Submission flows naturally out of that. If you, don't, if you see yourself as belonging to yourself, then submission is hard. That's Every time God says, it's a bit of an issue, because so, I don't want to do this. So but this is the point about the modern world. You know, we are, we, we are released from slavery, you know, we eschew slavery. Why do we want to, you know, we want to be free from God. Yeah. Yes. That the modern mind would, yes. would stumble at that first verse. Yes. I'm a bond servant. <laughs> I'm not going to submit myself. It's yes. important to say that the slavery in Roman times wasn't really like the slavery we think of slavery, mm -hmm. which is like the African slavery that took place a few hundred years ago, mm. which was utterly wicked. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, and, and not the same as the slavery in the Roman Empire, all right? So we, don't, we need to separate, and that's why I think the translators avoided the word term, because yeah. it was too closely associated with that form of African barbaric slavery. Um, now, I'm not saying that that was real slavery. The master owned the slaves. But the life of the slave really depended on whether you had a good master or not. If you had a really bad master, your life could be hell. Yeah. But if you had a generous master, you had a good life. Yeah. And I, God gave me a message which I call owning nothing but possessing everything. Mm. See, we have a very generous mm. master. Yeah. We own nothing because to try and own something is covetousness. Yeah to realize I don't even own myself. But nevertheless, I possess all things because my master gives me everything, you see. As long as I don't try and own it and control it, he, can, he is free to bless me with everything. So we, it may be wrong on a human level, it usually is, but that doesn't mean it's wrong on a divine level. God is our creator. He right, we are rightfully his slaves, and we should actually re rejoice in being his slaves. Fun funnily yeah. enough, that slavery just continues, doesn't it? It does. I mean, we, we are living, we're living in time. And it's not, Af it's not the, sl the, the triangle, the slave triangle, you know, uh, Liverpool, you know, Caribbean, no. you know, no, but it's, it's Sierra Leone. Young it's women trafficked. Women, young, young boys too, young bit children. It, it, yeah. It's shocking. It, it, the wickedness it is of humanity still, is, is still there. there. You see, it's like God says, do not take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says mm -hmm. the Lord. So what is wrong for us to do, you know, own slaves, yeah. <laughs> um, isn't necessarily wrong for God to do, because yeah. he's God. Yeah, that's yes. right. And, and that's so, but it is hard for, for us to accept that fact that we're not just children of God, or, and we're not just the bride of Christ, but we're also slaves yeah. of yes. God. And that, that is very liberating. Yeah, can we unpack the voluntary nature of us being slaves? Well, I think the, the, the point is that there's nobody more free than a slave who's a slave of Christ. You know, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Yes. So you, you, you can't be both free and in, and in bondage to somebody. So there's this remarkable yeah. sort of um, extra dimension to slavery in Christ, Christ, which is also us. absolutely you know, we, free. Do we have the choice when we're being compelled <laughs> or, or as you know, in Tulip, irresistible grace? Yeah. You know, there's something about God's grace yes. that, that draws us. I believe that's right. But See, I used to think that, you know, you get saved. <clears throat> but it goes to an issue of, you know, what is called lordship salvation. I used to believe it's two separate decisions. You know, well, I've received Jesus as saviour. I'm okay now. Now, later on, if I decide that uh, I want to give my life to God and yeah. submit to his lordship, that's a separate decision later on. I, I don't think that way anymore. I no. believe that a, a proper turning to Christ, at least in principle, is I submit to him as my Lord. Yes. Yeah. Which, in, which really I is so. that he's my owner. He's yes. purchased me so. yeah. with his blood. He created me as well, so he, he had the right anyway. So we are slaves of Christ, if, and if we reject that notion, we're, we're, we're rebellious slaves. Yeah. So yes. in Romans, you know, if you confess Jesus is Lord, yes. believe in your heart God has raised him yes. from the dead, you will be saved. And that, that's absolutely true. And some people say, and I always take issue with this, but some viewers may disagree with me, but they say, they say make, make Jesus your Lord. And I say, well, whether you like it or not, Jesus is your Lord. He's <laughs> Lord of your life, whether you accept it yeah. or not. Yeah. So yeah, accept it and, 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 and 
and you exactly. just flow with it. There are some words, verses where they have to translate it slave. They've got no choice in the context, yeah. you yeah, see. Go on, show and I think in 1 Corinthians 7, yeah. um, 22, he says, If he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. He says, you know, you're actually free in, in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. So because of the context, they have to translate it yes. as it should be translated, slave, <laughs> you see. Oh, yeah. We are the Lord's slave. Them, yes. you know? it's, it is tough. Those who are trying to, to make the scriptures more palatable to the modern mind mm. is, is a bit of a dicey business. Um, because you're never going to, it's never going to be. No, but this, this, this... And there's no end to what you can change. There's no end. But the, the, the point about this slavery, this point about this, uh, this bond servanthood, this total submission, is, is that is the path of sanctification. Yes. And so as you, as you accept this, so you begin to be purified, as, which is a quite separate process from the purification of redemption mm. and cleansing of your sin. This is a, a life walk of sanctification. Mm. And so Jesus is the guarantee of exactly. our sanctification. Yeah. So just let's say let's what it is. to the root of the sin yes. nature, by the way, which is yeah. covetousness yeah. and pride. Yeah. And now pride is me trying to own myself, yeah. to be independent from God, to have the control. Yeah. So the issue of slavery, which is, I mean, I only really come into this a year or two ago, you know. Um, but this is what cuts to the root of the sin nature. Mm -hmm. If I can embrace the fact that I don't belong to myself, I belong to God, and I live my life from that truth, mm -hmm. that, that cuts away Changes at covetousness. That, that kills the nature of the it flesh. Should which is to try and hold on to myself. And that's what I feel. That's where the real battle against mm. sin is. Mm. So it's, let's just... Is uh, that. It, very, very good. So, but well, let's be clear what it isn't. <coughs> so it isn't self-flagellation. It, it's not, you know, it's not even what has happened, sadly, in Christian circles, which is a sort of over-disciplining, you yeah. know, even caning of, you know, Mm. Of, of kids, which, which was, has, has been a scandal of our time, that that was happening in, in the 70s. That isn't it. It, yeah. it, it isn't a sort of corporal punishment or, no. you know, so that you can suppress, you know, your, your sin nature by physical beatings. Yes, it, it's, it's not, not that. It's no, not that The best all. you do is deal with the men of the men. See, rather than go to the root of the sin nature, you're kind of dealing with, with manifestations of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're, you're restraining certain behaviours. Yeah. But God wants to change us from the root. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's right. And, that's and really that takes the grace of God. Yeah. But the key issue is is surrender to God, mm. surrender to His ownership. Mm. Then it's easy to obey Him because it yeah. it flows naturally out of that. The problem with the Lordship Salvation, the Lordship Salvation Gospel, which Derek referred to, is you never feel good enough. You're just you're on a hiding to nothing, and of course it's not about what we do; it's about what Christ has already done. And so, and he he has your best interests at heart. I mean, in having God's best interests at heart, your best interests are at heart, and so you can absolutely surrender to Him and say, Lord, I surrender. Um, because he does it all. Yeah. And we will see later on in Philippians where he says, work out your salvation That's with right. awe and wonder is a much yeah. better translation yeah. of fear and trembling. Yeah. You know, he does the work. He does the work in you. Christ but you have to submit to allow, you know, to slavery in order to allow him to do that you're, because you'll resist it otherwise. Yeah. Very good. Right. You have to, sur 
you have to surrender. It's the heart. God wants our hearts. Yes. It's mm. not about our work so much. No. God wants our heart. If we submit our hearts to him and accept him as our owner and Lord, then the works will flow naturally. That's right. Because it says God resists the proud. Yeah. So we cut ourselves off from grace yeah. while we're trying to keep the yes. control. Yes. But God gives grace to the humble. Mm. James That's a 4, strong 6. theme, isn't it? It resonates through Philippians. It does. So when we Humility. humble ourselves and accept his ownership, we start to access his grace. His grace flows into our heart. And then obedience, the works, yes. will flow naturally flow. out of that. Absolutely. The other problem we have is up here is the intellect. That, get, that, you know, that really gets in the way in the mind. And we know the mind is the battlefield. That's where the devil operates. That's where he can bring his influence to bear and says the same old thing. As he, said, he said to Eve, did God really say? And he'd been saying it all through the centuries and he'll continue to say it until he is no more. Is it, in, in, is it in 1 or 2 Corinthians 10 where it says, you know, bring you know, your thoughts into Yeah, into captivity. captivity. Bring into every captivity. thought into... While a, we're on the subject yeah. of captivity, bring let's go through into, two verses. Into, into we're in the last two minutes. Into obedience to Christ. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. so important. Yeah. And we give, we give, we're in the last how month? Yeah, uh, we're in the last minute and a half. Yeah. And I just want, to give, of time. I just want to give an example <laughs> of that. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. But it's, well, it's not incredible. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's what you expect yeah. of God. I, it's a number of years ago, but I woke up one night with the most terrible pornographic thoughts flowing through my mind. And I couldn't get rid of them. I, what is going on here? Mm. And, and from my, you know, that reservoir, this thing bubbled up, take every thought captive. The scripture bubbled up in my mind. And I said, I take every thought, I didn't get any further. Mm. It was like, it was like a, a comic cartoon where it goes, boom, you know, mm. yeah. gone. Well, totally gone. And that's how gracious, that's how we can, we can, we can be slaves of Christ right. and not worry about anything because he'll deal with it. He'll teach us through so it. So you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to yeah. God. Yes. Six. You're, not, you're never free. Yes. You, yeah. You're either you've a slave to God somebody. or a slave yes. to six. Exactly. You can't serve two masters. I know. You know? Bob Dylan. Yeah. Dare I go into the poetry of yeah. Bob oh. Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> it may be the devil or it may be the, the Lord. Lord. You gotta serve, gotta serve somebody. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> serve somebody. <laughs> yeah. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You yeah. might like to gamble. You might like to dance. It's the most amazing um, song, actually, because it covers everyone. Yes. Literally everyone. You may call me Ray. You yeah. may call me RJ. You know. You may do this. You may do that. Yeah. But you have to got to serve somebody. Okay. So we're not advocating slavery you know don't quote rev tv on that one but we are saying you know to God. be a bond servant of christ we've reached the fourth word of the first verse of the philippians <laughs> but we look forward to getting beyond that next week thank you very much both of you